So, w- welcome, Amrit. Um, I'm glad to meet you. Uh, I know that you're in Germany. Uh, and that you're asking a question about the Sambojana, the seven factors of awakening. Right? Yes. My question to you first is, is that why do you start there? Good point. So when I start practicing uh, meditation, the seven factors of awakening, actually I started um, with Goenka. So I, I started doing his retreat some years back. Okay. And uh, so doesn't but, talk about the seven factors. No, he, he didn't talk about seven factors. And uh, I was kind of doing uh, my own reading. And seven factors was what I find most interesting. Something, uh, something I think, okay, you know, it's worth cultivating. All right. Okay. So let's start with this that the seven factors of awakening are, let us say, skills that have already been developed and are now factors of awakening. Mm -hmm. But they're not factors of awakening until they're completely or fully developed, or in the word that's used in translation, unremitting unremitting sati now what does unremitting mean unremitting doesn't mean solid it doesn't mean all the time unremitting keeps it it means it keeps coming back an example is is that uh the enemies let us say it's in medieval europe or something like that and they attack today and then they attack again next week and then they attack again two days later then they attack again this would be considered unremitting. It just won't stop. Mm-hmm. Okay. It keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And the example that can be easily used, if you remember it, is the Energizer Bunny. Have you remembered seeing those commercials where the Energizer Bunny is a little toy bunny that's got Energizer batteries and he keeps hitting his uh, drum? unremitting keeps hitting the drum because the batteries don't go out yes okay that's what is all about the seven factors of enlightenment is unremitting starting with unremitting sati Mm -hmm. okay and so that's why i ask you the question is that it's almost like most students want to know the detail directions to the bathroom in a railroad station that they're a thousand miles from. Mm. It's much better to want and need the directions to the bathroom of the nearest bathroom rather than one that's so far away that by the time you get there, if you ever do, you may not remember the directions. And that's the issue of the seven factors of enlightenment. So let's go back and see what the seven factors of Sambojana uh, are really all about. Okay, and the secret lies in the Eightfold Noble Path and in the Anapanasati Sutta, especially the way that the suttas are put together because they don't point directly at it, but there's sort of some side issues, okay? So the one thing that we can understand first off is, is that most of the items on the Sambo Jhana are already on the Eightfold Noble Path. Sati, for instance. Mm-hmm. How about unremitting investigation of the states? Yes. Okay. So that's by the way, also, that's right view. One question. Taking right. Go ahead. Uh, sati is so usually is translated as mindfulness. Wrong translation. Mm-hmm. So what would be your translation for Sati? It's not my translation. It's mm-hmm. the translation of Sati. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem with word mindfulness is, is that it's not even an English language word. It was made up or invented to try to describe what Sati was already. 
without fully understanding what it means. Mm -hmm. But what the word sati actually means is to remember to make a change, remember or to look at what's going on. It's all wrapped up together. Another way of saying it is wakey, wakey, to wake up. Mm -hmm. okay. An example is, is that you're just sitting in traffic someplace, doesn't matter what's going on, and all of a sudden you hear an air raid siren. Okay, and that's the moment for waking everybody up. Okay, that air raid siren is to wake people up, to get them out of whatever they're doing and start paying attention, start listening, start looking. Okay, yes. that's what Santi is, is to remember to come out of whatever daydreams, whatever thought processes, whatever we were thinking, whatever wanderings the mind had, and come back to the present moment. This is Sati. And it's only a factor of enlightenment when it's developed to the point that it's there when you need it most. Hmm. It doesn't fall off. Most people, when they're beginning practice, is, is that when they get into a tough situation, Sati is the last thing that happens, if ever. They don't wake up. Instead, they got to deal with the situation in all of the bad feelings that they're already in. Okay? This yes. is actually Murphy's Law, in a way, that anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it'll go wrong at the worst possible moment, and that's the time you need to wake up, is when you need it. That's Sati. And it's only unremitting is when it keeps coming back, even when you don't think or want it to come back. Mm -hmm. But it comes back anyway when you need it. It's there for you. Mm -hmm. Remember to wake up. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, I was walking before this call, and I, I realized at some point I am lost in thoughts. So when I realize waking that, up and recognizing that you're lost in thoughts, right? That sati mm -hmm. is to wake up and recognizing that you're lost in thought. Okay. Basically, you finally woke up to you were lost in thought, and what really was going on is you woke up to I'm lost in this thought. Wait a minute, I was lost in the thought before that. Wait a minute, I was lost in the thought before that. Wait a minute, I was lost in the thought before that. Okay. Now, that's actually kind of an investigation. Mm -hmm. But lost in thought, this thought, is enough investigation. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to make a change. Rather than, oh, I'm lost in that one, I'm lost in this one, I'm lost in this one, I'm lost in this one, you're still lost. That's not enough, Sati. You need to wake up enough to say, enough of that. Okay, let's make a change here. <clears throat> okay, so the first two items are actually factors of the Eightfold Noble Path. Let's look at the third one, unremitting energy. <clears throat> well, guess what? Unremitting energy is nothing but a, a noble right effort. When it is a skill that's practiced to the point that it's working for us. When it's not a skill, it's real effort. The development of the skill is when you're putting it together things, and when it's a fully developed skill, then it's Johnny on the spot, and it's easy to do. It's right, noble effort in operation. That's the energetic part. Mm -hmm. okay. So this is effort in the beginning, and then this becomes energy. And the then third. it becomes energy after you've developed it as a skill. Mm -hmm. So in a way, we're talking about this all backwards and everything, all right? And so let's look at, before we go on with it, where the seven factors of enlightenment fit in and what they're there for and why they uh, are part of the teaching. And the place to go for that is to the Anapanasati Sutta because mm -hmm. the Anapanasati Sutta is the method for practicing the Eightfold Noble Path. That the real teaching is the Eightfold Noble Path and the Anapanasati is for uh, the fulfillment of that Eightfold Noble mm -hmm. Path, except that when the path is fulfilled, it's no longer the Eightfold Noble Path, it's the seven factors of awakening. Okay, okay. 
It's a transformation uh, and, of path. And so we practice Anapanasati, which means we're practicing the Eightfold Noble Path correctly and diligently. And we practice the uh, Anapanasati first for the fulfillment of the four factors, uh, the four foundations, the Satipatthana. Mm. Okay, Goenka has mentioned Satipatthana. The four foundations of mindfulness is also the basis of Anapanasati. So mm -hmm. Goenka doesn't get very far in it. So Goenka, he, he has a lot of emphasis on looking at a sensation. Well, he does three days of Anapana, which he doesn't mm -hmm. even bother to call Sati. And then he has uh, seven days of scanning meditation, which is also then incorporating uh, uh, the last couple of days doing strong determination sittings. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So one uh, thing is which I find different uh, in your teaching from Goenka's teaching is so Goenka say just observe whatever is happening, just observe it. But you mm -hmm. you have emphasis on changing it to. Absolutely. If, yeah. if, if Goenka had read the entire Anapanasati Sutra and started reading the first four lines of it, he would mm -hmm. have seen that. Mm -hmm. That that's in fact what Goenka is missing is, is that he is foundational, founded on the body, awareness of the body. And he doesn't work with the feelings. And he doesn't work much with the mind. He does mm. some. How is that? Is because you can't watch the breath and you can't scan the body unless you're scanning the body with your mind. So yes. doing body scanning, even though he's not saying so, he's actually uh, giving the students instructions to change your mind by scanning. Yes. Right. Okay, we are changing the mind. We are taking control of the mind by doing the scanning. So I'm not against the scanning. Then, in fact, I know precisely that this is uh, uh, probably the best thing that he's got going is step three of Anapanasati, experiencing the body. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't have to be done in any particular order. In fact, the Indians really like magic and they think if they do things in an order over and over again, that something magical will happen built in that way okay mm -hmm. but you don't have to go from the head to the foot or the foot to the head or anything like that and in fact what we really need to pay attention to to wake up to is whatever is happening wherever it is happening not necessarily in a particular order yes so one another thing is uh, going to say you scan a body and then you pay equal attention to all the parts but there are some teachers like Aya Khema, I was uh, reading her book, and she said, you pay attention wherever it is pleasant, and then you go, then it leads to jhana. Okay. That's got a little problem with it, too. Mm -hmm. What if there is no pleasure in the body? Yes. The answer to that is actually we do go looking for it to find it, to make sure that we find it. Mm -hmm. This is part of the changing instead of just giving up. You know, Gawenka has that point about when the mind wanders away, never mind, start again. And now you're trying to tell me that he says not to control the mind. He just told you right then when the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind. Whatever the mind wandered away to, come back to the breath, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So that's a control, definitely. Right. So if we understand more of the Anapanasati Sutra and see how it fits actually in with the Eightfold Noble Path, we <clears> begin <throat> to understand correctly that the that the whole Satipatthana is there and we have to work with all four parts not just the body because in fact to work with the body you've got to work with the mind mm. and once you get the body correct which is actually comfortable now this is one of the big problems with western meditation uh is, is that the whole teaching of the buddha was to gain comfort 
to go to the forest, to a foot of a tree, go to an empty hut, to a pile of straw, and sit down upright and bring your sati up. Start looking for things, okay? So this is what you practice. That, by the way, uh, little phrase is in the Anapanasati Sutta. To get comfortable. There's other places around that, but actually one of the definitions of the Pali word sukha is comfortable. You've no doubt heard the word sukha. Mm-hmm. It's exactly opposite of the word dukkha. It's exactly opposite of the word dukkha in the Gujarati language, for one thing, and in the Thai language, another, and in the Pali, a third. They're exactly opposites. So if you can get your mind into a state of sukha, then in that moment, your mind is free from dukkha. Hmm. Which may not be the case if you're doing body scans. Your mind may not be free from dukkha. Okay, we have to bring the mind into a state of sukha in order for it to be free from dukkha. And then the definitions of the word sukha is safe, secure, comfortable. This is the point that I'm making now. The body has to be brought to a state of comfort. Why is that? Because step four of Anapanasati, which is still part of the body part, is to get the body to relax. How are you going to get your body to relax if it's not comfortable? Hmm. Okay. So you have to understand the parts about the sukha to understand the parts about kaya. You have to bring the body to a state of comfort. And the way that we bring it to a state of comfort is by the examination to find out all the discomfort. Where's any intentions in the body? What is it that is unpleasant? Let's make a change here in our posture, including sitting upright, so that we can get the body very, very comfortable. If we can get the body comfortable and we can bring the mind to the state to where we feel safe and secure, most people don't. We built our whole society to try to make the jungle a safe place, and all we've done is create a concrete jungle, (laughs) and it's still dangerous. Yes. So this is the whole point about getting away from society, getting into seclusion, so we can get ourselves into a state of feeling safe and secure and comfortable. If we can feel safe and secure and comfortable, then we can feel satisfied and satisfaction is exactly opposite of dissatisfaction which is the definition of dukkha Mm. safe secure comfortable and satisfied how are we going to get safe secure comfortable and satisfied well one of the things we need to do is not have thoughts that are terrifying not having thoughts of work to do because if we've got work to do we're ready to do the work are ready to avoid the work, in another case, are we comfortable? Grown edge. And so we have to bring the mind to a state to where it's got nothing to do and no place to go and bring the body into a state of relaxed comfort so that then we can progress with Anapanasati, getting into that state of sukha. And that state of sukha then being comfortable safe, secure, and satisfied is actually the way that we use right effort. So mm-hmm. waking up, looking at the dukkha, looking at what's going on, and then mm-hmm. making a modification, making a modification so that we feel safe, making the modification so that we feel secure, making the modification so that we feel comfortable, making a modification so we feel satisfied. So, this so these work. three items on the Eightfold Noble Path run mm-hmm. and circle around each other. Right sati, right view, and right effort. And the, uh, the exalt of the right effort is comfort, safety, security, satisfaction. You have a question? Yeah, yeah. no, actually you answered my question. So these three things are will later develop into the three factors of awakening. 
Well, those are the first three factors of awakening yes. after they're fully developed. Yeah. After they're fully developed. That's why they're factors of awakening is because they're unremitting now, unremitting mindfulness, unremitting investigation of the mind in the various states. And unremitting effort well if the effort is unremitting then it can be considered energetic mm. and so these are the first items after those three items are developed of the eightfold noble path and we practice on upon asati to develop those skills now the fourth item on the eightfold noble path is sama sankapa right intention Mm -hmm. Some translated as right thought, but we've already been dealing with right thought in the sense of don't think about unwholesome things because you're going to be uptight and agitated about that. Let's think wholesome thoughts. Everything's all right. Everything is fine. I'm comfortable. I'm satisfied. Everything is good. When we have those kind of thoughts, our intentions begin to change. Now, an intention is a kind of a fast mind moment. Another way of thinking of it is attitude. A tree is going to fall in whatever direction it's leaning. So whichever direction your mind is leaning, it's going to fall over in that direction. Unless the mind is completely upright. That hmm. I, in fact, have seen loggers cut a tree all the way completely through and it still doesn't fall down because it's so well balanced. That would be equanimity, by the way, which is on this path, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Mm -hmm. So, in order to gain that sama sankapa, we have to practice correctly, safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied over and over and over and over and over again to begin to build up the confidence that I can do this. Until that time, the students will always have thoughts of, oh, this is hard, or I failed it, or I didn't do it right, or this is not there yet, and all of that kind of stuff. It's just still because they have a loser's, victim's mentality. And we, mm -hmm. were, we were born. Every one of us was born as a loser. We were born as victims. We couldn't even feed ourselves, put on our own diapers. We couldn't walk, couldn't talk. No baby is born with a Ph.D., and if he did, it's just a piece of paper, and he doesn't even know what paper is. Yes. Right? We start off as a victim, and we remain victim for years. And while we're a victim, we pick up things and learn things from all kinds of places, especially our parents and our family. And if any of the members, and perhaps all of the members of the family are all victims, they just reinforce our victimhood. Oh, it's the government's fault. Oh, it's God's fault. Oh, it's the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. All kinds of uh, ridiculous stuff that keeps us pinned as victims. And the only way out of that is to practice over and over again success. And it really <clears throat> doesn't matter that success is, but this is the best one, and it's the easiest one to do. You could become successful at the violin, but it'll take you about 20 years. It'll take you many years to become successful to in karate to become a fourth dan. Most fourth dans are over 40 years old. You don't get a fourth dan in diapers. You just don't do it, okay? So that's the whole quality is that it takes time and practice, time and practice and time and practice. And the practice and the time is put in with almost right effort. And as the effort improves, so does the attitude. And when the attitude and the effort are put together correctly, it becomes energetic. Of course, I can do it. It's easy enough. Never mind. Just start again. Hmm. Everything is easy now. Okay, so now let's go back to then the Anapanasati. What we're saying is we keep practicing getting the mind into a state of sukha over and over and over and over and over again until we begin to get the attitude, I can do this. Yippee, I got it now. That's when we add that fourth item on Anapanasati, the pity. The pity is actually the experience of success. 
So now we have safe, secure, comfortable, satisfied, and success. And if we continue with that success over and over again, we begin to build that up into a feeling of wealth. So that you've got so much joy, so much energy, so much satisfaction that it's easy to give it away. Okay, so this is what we're looking for is that feeling of success that is so successful that we just want to give it away. Yeah, I've got billions and billions of dollars and I'll get billions more tomorrow. I'll give you a couple of billion now and make you happy. Okay, so that's the way that we work with it. Is feel like you're wealthy because you're successful, because you're satisfied, because you're comfortable, safe, and secure. And this is what we're practicing then on the on Anapanasati, and we keep applying the mind to this wholesome. Keep applying the mind, applying it over and over again, and sustaining the mind on this over and over again. And so, what I've just given you now is the the entire five aggregates of the first jhana hmm. you keep practicing over and over again until you feel safe secure satisfied and then successful and you keep practicing that over and over again until you can sustain it and when you can get it sustained you've got all of the factors of the first jhana that's now what we're looking at is when those skills are developed we now then can add, we've already gotten three of the Sambhojana, the sati, unremitting sati, unremitting investigation of the states of mind, unremitting energy. Now we bring up unremitting pitisukha. Mm -hmm. Unremitting pitisukha. What does that mean? It means anytime I want to feel good, I know how to do that. Anytime I want pleasure, I got it. I can find pleasure wherever it may be found, and there it is. Okay, yes. and so this is the fourth item on the list. The next item on the list, by the way, is back to the Anapanasati. We've already talked about that, and that's unremitting relaxation. Unremitting relaxed. I'm just okay, got no place to go. And anytime that I think of some place to go, I can throw that thought out and come back and sit down and relax. <sighs> so, unremitting relaxation then brings on the next factors that are often one versus the other. The word uh, samati is used the word samadhi does not mean concentration not the way that we use the word concentration concentration is almost always like you know you squeeze the cheese in your hand so hard that it leaks out right that's concentration we tell the children to concentrate and all they do is look hard and worry Instead of actually just doing their arithmetic, they've got to concentrate on it, which means that they've got to do two things, their arithmetic and concentration. All right. The Buddha doesn't mention concentration. He mentions samadhi, which is bringing the factors together. And so when we bring these factors of sati, right effort, right investigation, right attitude together, those things in the moment, make the mind whole not a crowd we don't want anything so we're not going to harm anybody to get it we're satisfied in this moment not dissatisfied in that moment the mind is whole the mind is unified and if we can maintain that wholeness and unification in the state of adversity perhaps like the tree getting completely cut the trunk is completely cut and the tree still standing. That's equanimity. A good mm -hmm. example of it would be a medical doctor who became a medical doctor because he wanted to help people. He's got a friendly, uh, uh, kind attitude. And so when people come in getting sick, he has to make sure that he doesn't get sick with them. He's got to have a kind of compassion that doesn't get sick 
with the patients who get sick. And then he has to find a cure for them and give them something to give them joy back. That's the mudita. So we've gotten the metta, the karuna, mudita, and then the last one, the upeka. How does the doctor feel when the patient dies anyway? Mm. Every doctor is going to lose every patient. Every one of us is going to die. What's the doctor to do? A lot of doctors in the West have what they call burnout, but so do many other professions. Psychiatrists, social workers, psychologists, uh, EMT staff, police, lawyers, judges, all kinds of professions that deal with people. And they think that they're doing the right thing and things keep getting screwed up. How can you handle the screw ups? Because there's going to be screw ups. Can you maintain your equanimity and balance? Another way to look at it is like the, a, a, a boat, a big fishing boat. The captain of that fishing boat's been on that boat in high seas and, and in port and all kinds of things. And he knows that ship well so that he can walk from the bow to the stern easily, even in high seas. But if you were on board that fishing boat and you were sitting on the bow with the captain and the, uh, in high seas and the captain goes to the stern, do you think you can make it to the stern? Are you going to get slapped up beside the deck? You're going to hit the, uh, the, uh, the cabin wall? You may heave over the side or you may go over the side because you don't have sea legs. Right? So some doctors can't handle their patients dying on them. They don't know how to handle the fact that the deck that they're on is not stable. The society we live in is not stable. We can't fix it. But we can learn to dance on it. We can use it as a floor. Even though the floor is in motion, never mind, I can handle that. Got that attitude. Okay, so these are the seven factors of enlightenment. Four of them are actually part of the Eightfold Noble Path, and the others are the results of the Eightfold Noble Path. The pity, the sukha, the um, relaxation, the unification of mind, and the balance, dynamic balance. Not a frozen balance, but a dynamic balance, so that you can handle anything. Those are the seven factors only when they're fully developed. And so we have to go back and start working on development of sati. Mm. Keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Develop um, investigation. Keep looking at these thoughts. Is this thought worth having right now or can I have a better thought? The right effort to change that thought to change it to wholesome, to change it to gladdening, to change it to something happy, to go look for the joy because there it's going to be right in front of you. And that's bringing that joy, that satisfaction, that success brings the joy. <clears throat> so you have to practice that. Yes. Over so the and over again. <clears throat> so first three are the active, you have to do actively, and the fourth one is kind of a result, right? I'm sorry, what? So the first three, sati, investigation, and the efforts, so they are active, so you are actively doing them. Right. And the Especially joy right that comes is, is, a, is a result of this activity. Actually, no, the next one, the relaxation, is also a bit of effort. You have to remember to relax. Mm -hmm. You have to remember to relax. You have to remember to have the piti sukha. And by remembering to have the piti sukha and the relaxation, you keep bringing the mind back together into a samadhi mind over and over and over again until it's unremitting, just like all the other factors. You can be falling apart completely, and all of a sudden you line that stuff up. The sati brings the investigation, brings the effort, brings the, uh, the pitti sukha, brings the relaxation, brings the samadhi mind, and all of that happens within a half a second. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> 
when it's fully developed. So yes. we have to practice. We have to practice. Yes. And um, how to practice the fourth one, bringing Piti Sukha and the... I've and been the telling you that mm. the way that I've been telling you, and that is keep talking to yourself about that you are, in fact, safe. Mm -hmm. Because the mind is always full of things to do that you feel unsafe if you don't do them. So you have to throw all of that stuff out and think thoughts about everything that was needed to be done. It's already been done. I don't have to do anything. There's nobody yelling at me. There's nothing that needs to be done right now. I can just relax and feel safe and secure. I'm already there. I've already landed. I don't have to worry about the plane crashing because we've already landed now. Feeling safe and secure, we have to keep talking ourselves into it. Otherwise, the normal way that we live our lives is a life of fear. So we have to talk ourselves into it, brighten the mind, gladden the mind. Hey, man, you're safe here. You can relax. You don't have to be uptight. You don't have to be fearful. You can be friendly. We're among friends here now. It's safe. So we keep talking to ourselves about how safe it is. And pretty soon we begin to actually feel safe. Maybe, perhaps, for the first time. Oh, how it feels so good to feel safe. Not a care in the world. And so this is a great deal of our practice, because it's so easy just to drop back into fear again. Oh, I thought of something to do. And now I'm getting agitated all over again. Mm -hmm. So we have to practice feeling safe and secure. We have to practice being comfortable. Then we can begin to practice feeling satisfied. Now, the feeling the satisfied, we have to go into Petitya Samaprata to understand that one a little better. But basically what that means is we have to learn to not want things that I've already got what I want. Just because I like it doesn't mean that I want it. I can appreciate how beautiful it is and not want it at all. Mm. <clears throat> I, can I can enjoy the parade and I don't have to join the parade. Another way of saying it, just watch the show. Let the show present all kinds of problems and issues of its own. It'll resolve them all by itself. It doesn't need us to figure it out. That's like a murder mystery. You know, novels that are murder mysteries. They, uh, the guy who wrote the, uh, the murder mystery leaves enough clues in there for you to figure out who done it. But he also has enough misinformation and sidetracks and whatever there to keep you confused until right to the very end of the book. And here you find people all confused and worried and uptight reading through that book. And if they just want to know who done it, just read the last page and finish with the book, throw it out. Now I can sit here comfortably. I don't need to know who done it. All right? So we intentionally make ourselves uptight. We intentionally test ourselves to see, can I do that or can I not do it? And then we feel dissatisfied when we fail. And while we're doing it, we feel fear of failure. So this is something that can be done that's just dirt easy to do. It's so easy to remember to look at what you're doing, make a change, and start to gladden your mind, to start lifting yourself up out of the fear into a state of fearlessness just for the moment. Lift yourself into a state of satisfaction. Lift yourself into a state of comfort. We practice this over and over again until we get the attitude, got it. And that's the, that's the pity, is that, that feeling of, I've got this. I can do this one. I can gather these jhana factors, if you want to speak that language.
So that's the Pitti Sukha, but it has to be developed. Mm -hmm. Develop the Sukha first, and then the Pitti will follow. But Pitti is always momentary. It's the high point. It's the peak. Not all mountain ranges are all peaks. Only a few peaks in the whole mountain range. Maybe a lot of ridges, but those ridges will go to one peak. So you can think of them as the Pitti is that peak moment. Can you put your mind into a peak moment state? That feeling of wealth, that feeling of uh, complete mm -hmm. satisfaction, complete success. Yes. And if you can put your mind into that state and keep doing it over and over and over again, then someday it will become unremitting. You can bring that state up and feel just as good as you want to feel anytime you want to feel it. All you have to do is remember. Because all the rest of the skills fall in line. So we practice then Anapanasati for the fulfillment of the four foundations of mindfulness so that we get the body, the feelings, the mind, and the mind's objects together. Get them unified. Bring the mind together. We practice the seven, the uh, the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana, in order to develop the Eightfold Noble Path into the seven factors of enlightenment, the Sambhojana. And we practice the Sambhojana for the fulfillment of knowledge and deliverance. Now, this is a higher score that we're talking about here. In fact, if we want to use the word enlightenment, we can use it here in the sense of two kinds of enlightenment. The first kind of enlightenment is turning the lights on, seeing what's going on, seeing clearly. The second kind of enlightenment is to see that you've got a backpack full of bricks and you can set it down. But until you recognize you're carrying a backpack full of, full of bricks, you can't set it down. You've got to see it first. Hmm. So we practice the unremitting Sambhojana to keep looking and keep looking and keep looking moment by moment because every time we look anew, we're going to find a new sack of bricks that we could possibly set down. That's why we keep looking. Un remitting investigation. Keep looking and keep looking until you develop it as a habit to look at what's going on. And so in that regard, you can see that uh, Goenka doesn't teach all of Anapanasati. Only teaches a little bit of it. And I haven't even taught it all yet. In fact, we've been working on only three of the four. We've been working on the Kaya Nupasana and in the Chitta Nupasana and on the Veda Nupasana to get the feelings done. So you could say then, well, what's next? The answer to that is once the mind is unified and together, that's very much like getting a camera together so that it'll take pictures. Okay. Once we get um the mind unified and fit for work now we can go do the work that needs to be done what is the work that needs to be done is to figure out how the mind itself works that's the dhamma the fourth element of it actually can be then brought back to the teaching of paticca samapada once your mind is free clean clear stable you can use it as a tool to see how things are. And so that's the two step process is that we've got to get into first jhana so that we can even look to see what's there. There's another thing that's really beautiful about that. And that is, is that while the mind is in an ordinary state, mostly what we're looking at is dukkha. Mostly what we're looking at is unwholesome. Once the mind is completely in a state of uh, uh, unity, in a state of cleanliness, in the state of uh, complete organization. Now all we can find 
is wholesome things, clean things, the actual operation of the mind, the way that the mind works when it's not all gummed up with crap. That's why we don't do a whole lot of Patika Samupada investigation until the mind is ready to do that. We got to get the mind fit for work before it can see what it is. Another way of stating that is we got to get a really, really good mirror polished before we could see our own reflection. And so that's where the Dhamma comes in, is, is that we need the mind really fit for work so that we can see a nature, so that we can see things momentarily just flickering around, both in the mind and in the reality, and how things keep dying out. We don't want things to die. We like it. We want to keep it. It's going to die anyway. So can we let it go? Can we relinquish it? which is back to the Upeka. So step 16 of Anapanasati is uh, basically is Atamayata is one of the Pali words for that. That I'm not going to have anything to do with Maya. I'm not going to have anything to do with Dukkha. I throw it all out. I've relinquished that. Even my patients dying on me. Well, win some, you lose some. <laughs> throw it out. One thing that's really good about a doctor, he at least doesn't have to bury his patients. Somebody else will do that for him. <laughs> <laughs> Once they're dead, he's finished. <laughs> if he can let them go. Yeah. And if not, he'll become a drunk or worse. So there's the Upika laying at the end of the trail through relinquishment, letting it all go. Moment by moment by moment, unremitting mindfulness brings up that unremitting upeka. Then you can handle anything. There's that confidence again. You know, the Buddha was known as a lion. Supreme confidence. He was also known as a bull, but not a cow kind of bull, an elephant. He was a bull elephant. He was a lion. He knew what he knew, and he knew he was right because he had done the proper investigation. He got it, and he knew he got it. That's the kind of confidence that you're going to get when you get the Sambo Jana going. That's supreme confidence. You can handle anything. One of the jokes, by the way, is, is that everyone's an emperor of their own pile of dirt. Everybody's an emperor of their own pile of dirt. The question is, are you going to be buried under your pile of dirt? Are you going to be struggling to make it out? Or are you going to just be sitting on top of your world, your choice? And if you choose just to sit on top of your world, then don't matter if your bum gets dirty. <laughs> Because you're out of it. You're on top of the world. You got it made. So this is the actual path. The path of coming out of our own stuff and being quite happy and pleased that we could do it. So I think we've covered the seven factors of enlightenment pretty well. Yes, I I think so as well. <laughs> I will watch uh, watch this video again to to make Pardon? sure if I get everything. I said I will I'm watch the video, video game again. right now with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and do you I'm have a um, you to smile? By the way. <laughs> So I pull that lever and I drag that string and there that smile comes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what were your what was your question about video games? I said um, there were a lot of unpacking in this uh, what you just talked about. So I have to watch this video again to see that if I if I understand everything. Oh, oh, you didn't use the word game. Sorry, I misheard that. Mm -hmm. But it is a game. That's also another way of thinking about it. Just stop being so serious about life. You're not going to survive it anyway. Might <laughs> as well enjoy it. 
Yes. <laughs> so one question about the, the formal practice. So Goenka would say practice two times, one hour every day. All right. So what is your recommendation? Um, actually, they say more than that. They say one hour a day and then this and two hours a day and then that and then three hours a day and then this other thing. Right. Okay. Basically, the human mind is not capable of having an attention span that long. Mm -hmm. It's much better to break it up. I'm, I'm good for an hour, but it's better instead of having one hour sitting followed by 23 hours of hindrances. I mean, we've been in hindrances all these years, and now we're putting one hour in to stop them in 23 hours. We let them roll, which is going to win. Right, so we have to practice a little bit differently, and that would be by taking that one hour and breaking it into various groups. An example would be three sittings of 20 minutes, four sittings of 15 minutes, six mm -hmm. sittings of uh, or, uh, 10 minutes, 10 sittings of six minutes, or maybe five sittings 12 hours a day for five minutes once an hour to get your mind in the best possible shape that would be the best if we had only one hour then possibly starting with 15 minutes four times a day and then working your way down to uh six minutes 10 times a day down to five minutes 12 times a day mm -hmm. if you did five minutes of joy 12 times a day it would become a habit. And so repetition is a major part of this practice. And when you're tired, you're not repeating things well enough. Sitting for an hour, people are not going to get a value of an hour out of an hour. But you could certainly get an hour's value 12 times at five minutes each, if you could put that in. And you can if you've got a, 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 a cell phone because you've got a, a clock, you can set an alarm for every five minutes, an hour. You say, oh, wow, for the next five minutes, I don't have to do a damn thing. <laughs> I can just sit here. I've got a rule now. I'm going to spend five minutes doing nothing. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to do it <laughs> and really enjoy it. Okay, so this is a way much better to practice rather than suffering through an hour. Joyously for five minutes, over and over and over and over again all day long, okay. once an hour, okay? Yes. So go practice that. Thank you. Go, go enjoy, all right? So when are you gonna call again? So what do, what do you recommend? I would recommend maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. That would be good. So practice this for, for a few days and give it a call. Perfect. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Damarato. Okay, we'll see you. See ya, bye. Bye-bye.